I've said this before. A person can say in the name of Jesus, which is the name that carries on authority, but what you heard is fear. You know that. Jesus! You say, what's the problem? Which means you didn't hear confidence. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? No, 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 no. You, you, look, anybody can say Jesus. It's the spirit behind it. So you say Jesus. So what's the problem? Hope nothing. Hope nothing. Hope nothing. Because we had fear. And in the realm of the spirit, they don't listen to words. It's the voice they listen to. All right? I'm taking on what will bring complete deliverance. So, the next thing we've got to understand is, Jesus then went on and explained therefore. Number one, showed the principle. Number two said, if you're not in possession, you can't manifest it. Then he said, he explained that every visible fruit has an invisible tree within that person. If the tree is different, all right, if the tree within is different from what you desire, then there's little you can do. The only thing is to remove that tree and plant another one that will produce the fruit of the event that you want. So put verse 33 there. You see what Jesus says there. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by the fruit. So don't try to change the fruit on the outside. Change the tree that is growing. Are you following what I'm saying? Some people have massive trees on the inside that is bringing forth fruit. The same effort. Listen to me. Same effort. I've told you, you same 24 hours. Same effort. They are praying the same time other people are praying. The same amount of time. Some people are even fasting more than them. But the tree, even in the fast, they are reinforcing the wrong tree. Are you following what I'm saying? You, you, no, please, you, you get what I'm saying? All right? They are reinforcing it. The tree that is growing. So you want to change. So there are some people that will look at it. It depends on the tree that is growing. All right? People look at things and say, look, the tree we are growing here is much bigger than this. We don't do this stuff again. Okay? And the fruits are just coming out. Uh, you come out and say, so what happened? Oh, I was on a flight to this place. I met this person. Ah, but you said you too. You went on that flight 10 times. You didn't meet anybody. The tree. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? The tree. All right? Somebody went somewhere and said this. The tree was growing. And said, I went to the dentist. Oh, it has even happened to two people in this church. They went to dentists. I mean, when we just started this church, both of them got married to dentists. Now, you say, well, let's go to dentists. If the tree for marriage is not there, they will inject you wrongly, you find it. <laughs> so it's about what is growing. All right? So you'll find people that are doing great things, they're at ease. Are you following what I'm saying? Because they have done the work to change the tree. That's what the real work is. Because once the tree has changed, then what is going to be coming out, all right, effortlessly. I mean, I mean, the orange tree is not saying we are struggling to produce orange fruits. Ah, ah, ah. But it is a struggle. It says it's impossible. You can't have another tree growing inside and then produce something else. So I want to show you now, therefore, how evil men produce things in witchcraft. Okay? I'm going to show you how it works. Uh, when, when, you say, when you say people are firing arrows, they say it's uh, village people following them. Let me show you what the village people are doing. 
Because Christians, I won't get into this, Christians don't know the power they have. But they somewhat believe more in demons than in, than in God. The power of demons than power of God. I'm telling you, born again, tongue-talking Christians. That is why. is the African consciousness that is still there. No Bible. Do you get what I'm saying? Let me tell you this. Somebody said, this somebody who is a Christian, said, from now on, for public officers to be honest, and it will happen if you do it so, it will happen. He said, let them swear by gods, not by Bible or Quran, because that one won't work. Bring <laughs> the idol and put down a coffin, tell them to cross, and say, if I steal anything, that they will not touch anything. It's the truth. Because their consciousness is close to occultism. Are you following what I'm saying? It's inside them. Okay? I mean, I said once, I watched one program, it was a Nollywood thing, and at the end, I was almost going to say, praise God, I said, this is demonic. Because it was a film I saw at the end, well, they took this man to the shrine, they said he did something in the village, and, he did it, and then instantly he became crippled from the gods. Then he now got born again. They were taking him to church. Every day, praying. Nothing happened. Pray, pray. This is how he was doing. He walked small, therefore, small, small, small. Then at the end of the film, after six months of going to church every day, he got up and said, glory be to God. When the demon did his own, instant. When is God's own? It's <laughs> and people accepted it and at the end of the day, praise God. We thank God. I said, this is demonic. It is programming us to think the demonic power is instantaneous. I want to show you something. So you ask a Christian, he says the accident that is on the road that happened, it was some witches that met. Now listen to this. So, two days before that particular point, I released something that just made accidents happen on that spot. Okay, we've agreed with you. Now we ask you, can't Christians to meet and without any fiscal effort create prosperity? Do you get what I'm saying? If you accept that witches met, and every disease just came into the area, then can't Christians meet and healing comes into the area? Or did Jesus not say, this is like the wind that is blowing? Which means that from your consciousness, all right, that's what, what Dr. Bill Winston said was powerful at Warbeck. He said, listen, he said, you can take 10,000 spirits and sit all of them on one chair. The realm of the spirit is different. All I want you, all right? But you can't take 10,000 human bodies, physical bodies, and put them. Because one, when they came to me, the demon, uh, the man says, how many demons? I said, a legion. You know what the legion is? All in one man, one spot. So how do they do it? Look at what they do. Proverbs 16, verse 29. A violent man does what? Entices his neighbor and leadeth him into a way that is not what? Good. So they will say, it's programming. Okay? Yorubas will say, <laughs> which means you just start taking decisions that are not good until you self-destruct. Alright? They will say that there is so. He entices him and leads him into a way that is not good. How did he do it? Put that scripture up again. A violent man entices his neighbor and leads him into a way that is not good. How? Verse 13. He shutted his eyes to devise forward things, moving his lips. He causes it to happen. 
So he closes his eyes and then moves his lips and begins to say certain things and he releases power to make people distrust. Now, here is the problem. When you pray, don't we close eyes? What do you see when you close your eyes? That's the problem. Because you are not seeing the results. You are seeing pounded yam. While... <laughs> the purpose... <laughs> you are laughing. This is serious. The purpose of shutting your eyes is to see. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, so let me quickly go on here. All possession, therefore, on the outside starts with an accumulation of thoughts in line with that experience on the inside of yourself. That's when it says in abundant measure. Once those thoughts get into abundant, then manifest. To experience quantum leaps, then the tree that produces that fruit must be planted and it must grow. Once that happens, the fruit of the events are effortless. If the tree is wrong, you'll be reaching for a mirage in the desert. Emptiness. Incubation, therefore, is the voluntary exercise of meditating on the truth to produce a consciousness inside your heart that is in total possession of that experience before the symptoms or what we call the signs now begin to show up. So, law number two, and I will stop at this particular point. Right? The question you need to ask yourself is what really is in your heart? Uh, you have to ask yourself, what's the dream that you really have on the inside of yourself? What is there in your heart? Define it. Know what your heart, all right, the Bible says it is. It, a, a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So what's the thing that is inside your heart there? Uh, define what is inside. Uh, Jesus said, what sort of things you desire? Which meant, what is there within? Because it takes staying power. And, and, and this thing has to be a treasure. This thing has to be what you want for you to be able to stay with it. Then the next thing you've got to do is, and I'll show this from the scripture, you have to start reimagining your world that particular way and then communicate that to God in prayer and then God will respond and do something here. So, you'll start reimagining your world. What do we mean by this? That's the starting point there. And I'll show you in scripture. You start reimagining your world. And start reimagining your world. You know, when I was imagining it and looking at it, so, so a person says, my business is going to grow to this level, but let's just say you have 50 clients. You say 1,000 clients. Now, with the 50 clients, everybody's overworked. With the 50 clients, there's no space. So, you, are, you have to reimagine how it will be with a thousand people. How many staff will be there? What type of site? What, you know, you are reimagining your world. And I'll show what this happens. So I started imagining it, how the church is, and started doing that. So I, I, you get stuck. That how many people can you put inside the Gomu Center, which is the largest place? One time I was thinking about it. And God said, who told you that that's supposed to be the largest place? The fact that that doesn't mean that's supposed to be a large place. Don't you remember? And then something clicked. You see, when you were doing that, then something clicked on the inside. You start having experiences, light starts coming. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, quickly. It says, in the beginning God created the earth. Now, in the beginning God did what? Created the heaven and the earth. Two things. And then something happened to the second one. Verse 2. 
It says, and the earth was without form and void. Now, if you read that in, in Hebrew, it says, and the earth became. What God didn't create it with form and void. It became without form and void. All right? And then darkness was upon the face of the deep. Uh, it, I, I touched on this on Thursday, but if you do an expository on this, the earth was in existence. You know, that's why people say, oh, these archaeologists, they don't know what they're saying. They'll say they found something 100,000 years ago was on the earth. It's wrong. The earth is 6,000. God created man. They're lying. Nah, nah, nah. Nah. They're correct. All right? What they're saying that there were signs of life before man. The earth became. That's what it means here. The heavens remained the world it was. But Lucifer was on the earth, and therefore, based on his sin, the earth became without form and void. All right, and then darkness was upon the face of the deep, right? And then the Spirit of God began to hover over it or moved on it. Put the Amplified of verse 2. Quickly, Amplified of verse 2. It says, The earth was without form and an empty waste. God didn't create it that way. And darkness was upon the face of the great deep. And then the Spirit was moving, that's up, brooding over the face of the water. So the Holy Ghost began to move on the waters. And what he was doing was reimagining the earth, the way it's going to be, reimagining it. What's going to come out of this chaos? Reimagining, all right, that particular thing. Then God did something. The next thing God said was, in verse 3, he said, let there be what? Light. Now, what does that mean? Remember we said a good man out of what? The good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart. So, God said, let there be light. Now, what's this light? This light is not the sun and the moon because that was created on the fourth day. This light means let there be illumination concerning what you are seeing. Let there be illumination. Let it be clear as to how what you are hovering over that particular thing, all right, will be done, okay? Now, you think about this. If you have an architect and you give him a contract to build a house, he says he has design, you start building, then he gets to one place and says, ah, ah, so what are we going to do now? Ah, let me see you. Let me check. You ask him, did you know from the beginning what the design will be? He said, no. You know, I said, we'll just, we'll, we'll make shift. And you, you will say you useless actor. Now, well, some of us, our own lives will behave that way. In other words, we don't understand the power, all right, of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. This same spirit. All right, once you start doing that, the Holy Ghost, all right, on the inside begins to move within your heart concerning that thing. And then you start reimagining how it will be. Then God says, let there be light. What's this light? It is, let there be illumination concerning it. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. It tells us, all right, for verse 6. It says, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. That's that beginning. So when he said, let there be light, he says, has shone inside our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of his glory in the face of Jesus. The face of means he gives the light so we know what is in the thoughts of Jesus. The thoughts of Jesus are communicated to you. He says, then he went on and says, we have this treasure, verse 7. And what's that treasure, that light? We have it in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power will be seen because a good man out of the good treasure. So the treasure inside your heart is the light, which is the revelation, all right, that God gives. 
Because what has happened is the God of this world has blinded the minds of people that cannot believe. And now we've looked at that and said, well, he's talking about unbelievers who are Christians. That's not what he's talking about. He wrote that thing to Christians. He was saying that if anybody be lost, look, when somebody's lost, then God doesn't know where you are. God knows where you are because all things lie naked and open. So you're not, God doesn't say, God is not saying you are lost. I can't find you. What he's saying is that you don't know where you are. You are lost. If they take you to a particular place and you're looking around and say, well, I'm lost. I don't know where I am. Now, what's going on? is saying this. Many people, they are lost on the earth. They, they don't know what's going on. They are around what's going on. What, you know, where am I going to? What's all this? He says it's the God of this world that has blinded their minds. He's blocked the thoughts, alright, that should come from me. And the way to get it is that you turn to me and do what Paul said in Ephesians 1 verse 16. He said, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of your understanding, alright, now verse 17, Pray that the Father, all right, verse 17, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened that you may come to know, right? So the eyes of your, that word understanding is mind. Your mind be opened up to the thoughts of God concerning it. So as you start reimagining the next thing we said, take it to God in prayer. You have because you ask not. Then ask him definite requests. God, I'm asking you for this, all right, 25,000, that's what I'm asking you for. And then what God does is let there be light. Do you get what I'm saying there? It's not saying that, first of all, let's go and do something. It says let there be light inside you. Once that light starts coming, then it becomes clear to you what you need to do for that thing to happen. Do you get what I'm saying? These are experiences of light on the inside of yourself when he says let there be light on the inside so his thoughts come to you that that gives light proverbs chapter 16 and verse 3 tells us proverbs 16 and verse 3 quickly it says commit thy works unto the lord and what will happen thy thoughts shall be what established so he will now, now the thought is rain begins to fall on your life for well, it says, as the heavens are higher, so are my thoughts and my ways. You start seeing the ways and the thoughts of God. All right? Proverbs 21 and verse 5. It says, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. So if you are hasty, you go out prematurely, then there's want. When you stay there, you get the thoughts of God concerning it. Now I continue from this next week. Because it says, God who commanded the light has shone in our heart. Now, it's the same thing it says. That we, it says that, it says we have a more sure word of prophecy. You will do well to take heed on, as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns. So, you offer your prayer unto God, and then you open the word of God, and light starts coming from the scriptures to you. Then it says, take heed to that light. All right? Pray daily. Because the path of the just has a light that shineth brighter and brighter. The intensity of the light will grow every day. So you keep asking for more light concerning, more thoughts concerning it. David said, your thoughts towards us are more than can be numbered. It's like rain that is coming until you are brainwashed. Do you get what I'm saying? The thoughts of God has washed. He said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I shall make them white as snow. The thoughts of God brainwashes you to the point where you get up and you now say it is possible. How do you know? The information you have been receiving while you are incubating. Now, other people who are doing their stuff, you start with your stuff. 
And what I'm going to show you is how to meditate. Because once you get the light, you sit down. He says, until the day dawns. We have thought. You read it, you see it, you go, you come back, you read it. No. You sit with it. You switch off the lights. All right? And then you start declaring your vision and then start taking all the scriptures and start meditating on it and start meditating in a place of quietness so you are not distracted or disturbed by anything. And then you are meditating and meditating and declaring it and meditating. And then the Holy Ghost is breaking those scriptures. Light is coming. It's growing on the inside. You are seeing how it will happen. You are seeing. You come out of that place. It is the most difficult. What I told you now is the most difficult thing for any human being to sit still. Which means you put down a chair and sit still. And then you are incubating and taking in the word of God. It's no longer just what you know. It's entering your system. It's redefining your life. It's showing you you're having encounters. It transforms your consciousness. You come out, things happen and you know you have changed. The way you respond to things are changed. You yourself, you're wondering what happened. You didn't know how deep the Holy Ghost worked with you when you sat to meditate. Do you get what I'm saying here? The Holy Ghost shows you. Just breaks. You see that place you went to that day that you walked past? You saw that thing you saw that you were wondering, you just saw, that place is the place you should go to. Then you understand why you went there that day, or you missed your way and went through a particular way. Then you know you are now dealing with the supernatural. Are you following what I'm saying? One of the great healing evangelists, he had seen, somebody told me, he said, they asked one of Archbishop's children, how does your father pray before miracles? He locks the door and sits down on his one spot for eight hours. And you just be hearing mutter things, mutter things. And you say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it just like this. I'll do it just like this. Everything that will happen in the meeting, the Holy Ghost shows him before the thing. Encounters with the Holy Ghost on the inside of yourself. This changes the shape of your heart. It's not that you are doing guesswork or you're a fearful person forming spiritual. Do you get what I'm saying? Where they say, come and cast the devil out. You are even more afraid than, than them. You say, come out, come out. But fear is what is coming out. But it's something that has been ingrained on the inside. So if you're here this morning, I want to pray here. And you are not, because this hovering here has to do with the Holy Ghost. Okay? So I'm just going to pray it one way. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, all right, baptize the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. To so get into this thing that I want to do, it is imperative that you have that because the spirit of God that hovers over that particular thing helping you to reimagine. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Pray for us individually and corporately that you will open up the eyes of our understanding this week that thoughts concerning the dream and vision you've placed inside us will rain as a flood tide into our consciousness, changing the shape of our hearts and bringing us into perfect alignment with you that we can rise from the place of meditation to decree things and they'll be established in the name of Jesus Christ. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you are here, all right, quickly, we've all done this, and you are not filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that presupposes that some other things might not be there. So if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit and you want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit this morning, I just want you to lift up your right hand where you are. All right? Just lift up your right hand. God bless you. Any other person? God bless you. Any other person? God bless you. All right? God bless you. Okay? Quickly, put up your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Any other person? Now, those of you with all heads bowed, eyes closed, those of you that hands are lifted up, can you just quickly stand to your feet? Just stand to your feet. I'll pray for you right here. And all right. 
And then the gentleman who is standing right here, just see him on this spot immediately after the service. Father, I pray for every single person standing on their feet. They've stood up, some to receive Jesus Christ and then to receive the Holy Ghost. I ask by the power of that same spirit that you will remove every inhibition within them, every belief system that contradicts this, that as soon as they are prayed for, instantly they will get a full infilling of your spirit with the evidence of speaking other tongues in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. Let's um, turn our Bibles this morning. I, we're starting a two-week series. I sincerely hope I can finish it in two weeks uh, because uh, there's another teaching we have got to get to that has to do with the blood of Jesus Christ. All right. So I want to talk about um, the principle of incubation. The principle of incubation. That is incubating upon your expectations this year. Uh, what are the expectations that you have for this year? Understanding that in order for them to happen, there has to be a process that is called incubation. And it's a spiritual process is within the word of God, and we'll get into it this morning. Um, there's just one thing I want to get to this morning, one central point, and I believe it's very important that we understand the principle. In fact, it will take us from being, or it will take people, once they understand and embrace it, from being a religious people uh, to being a spiritual people. Uh, from being uh, um, human beings uh, that are trying to have a spiritual experience. Uh, so spirit beings there that are operating in a human experience there. So it is that we are first primarily spirit beings and we are expressing ourselves in a human form. Not that we are human beings that are trying to get into the realm of the spirit and it's just something that is beyond us or some uh, mystical place that we don't know how it operates and functions. Uh, so we're talking about incubating on your expectations there or incubating your expectations. 
uh, the things that you are expecting this year, incubating those things so that they grow on the inside of you and then they hatch within and then they become events within your life. Uh, we've said that this year we have broken it into four quarters. If you can put up the image with the four quarters there. The first quarter there is incubate your expectations. Uh, and that's what we want to teach and emphasize in this particular quarter. And then uh, the second quarter, you break out of that box. Then the third quarter, you run uh, without barriers. And then the fourth quarter, you finish the year strong. So it starts with incubate your, your, your expectations. What are our expectations for this year? We've said the year 2020 is our year of quantum leaps. If you can put the second image up there, a year of quantum leaps. Last year was the year of the quantum leap, which was a singular experience. This year, it is the year of quantum leaps, which is multiple forms of what happened or of a quantum leap. And a quantum leap is a sudden and a dramatic breakthrough experience in one's life. Sudden, dramatic breakthrough experience that advances a person's position on the earth beyond human imagination. Sudden, dramatic, a breakthrough experience that advances one's position. So if we call it the year of quantum leaps, so we're talking about a series of sudden and dramatic breakthrough experiences there where people know you have shattered uh, the ceiling and you have gone beyond the ordinary. Uh, you have stepped into what is considered the supernatural. Uh, and so to get better results at anything that you do, in order to get better results at anything that you do in life, you have to, all right, you must cultivate a more knowledgeable approach. So if you are going to get better results, then you must have a no more knowledgeable approach to that particular thing. Since years are in cycles, and we've experienced 12 calendar months several times on this earth, in order to make this experience completely different and then to have unusual things happening, then we must cultivate a more knowledgeable. So as more knowledge comes into a person, then they can command better experiences or better results at the same things that they are doing. As more knowledge comes in, then they command better results. So it's not just wishful thinking or cunningly devised fables, but it's a question of, the Bible says, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul when you have found it. There shall be, an ex there shall be a reward and your expectation shall not be cut off. In other words, you have expectations. It says it is through the knowledge of wisdom. There is a wisdom there, a body of knowledge 
that governs the experience that you desire. And once you get familiar, or you acquaint yourself, or you discover that thing, then that experience that you desire becomes the natural thing that happens. I mean, yesterday I was just thinking about it. When the Bible says, wisdom answereth all things. In other words, there is no problem that can defy the wisdom of God. There is wisdom that will unravel anything. Uh, there is no height that a particular in, um, 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 well, let me say, impartation of wisdom will not resolve that particular thing. So wisdom there uh, will, will, will cause anything if you get the wisdom for it. So get it out of your vocabulary there that something is impossible, right? You might be ignorant of what it takes to make it happen, but wisdom, the Bible says, answereth all things. Wisdom can and will resolve all issues. So to get better results, we must cultivate a more knowledgeable approach to our lives and the things that we have set out to do. And so we're talking about, all right, knowledge here. And so I want to look at incubation. Incubating, all right, your dreams, your expectations. Uh, now, what's incubation? Or what does it mean to incubate? Uh, incubation is the period, the timer that elapses there, that period between when, um, let's just use the word, a substance enters into a body and that substance now develops within that body until it becomes apparent and the symptoms or the signs begin to show on the outside. Uh, God forbid this will all right, never come your way in the name of Jesus, but uh, we have what is called all right, uh, the coronavirus now. And it has an incubation period there of 14 days. In other words, it enters into what is called a host, that is a person, and stays within that person with no visible sign of its presence. But then after 14 days, it now the symptoms of its presence now begins to show in the body, and people now know from the outside that, you are, that that person is carrying that particular thing within. So for 14 days, it was growing and developing. And so incubation is that period where when the host embraces a thought, idea, or dream, right, to the period where the signs, so it's only the host, and that person has decided to be a host to that thought. That person has decided to be a host to that dream. Now, the thought might be flowing, all right, around the earth, but somebody says, I am going to host this particular idea and captures that particular dream. And I believe that. Uh, the thoughts, all right, because to every purpose, there is a time, there is a season. And there's a season where, you know, certain ideas begin to move around. I think it was during the pastor's conference. I was Pastor Louis Johnson, a pastor back then in battle. And he did, you know, he, he did BS in, in physics. I came out of the first class. And then he went to Imperial College and then decided he wanted to do ministry. So he left Imperial College. He was doing his PhD in, I think it was communications engineering. Then came back to the University of Ibadan. And he said, he just said something in passing. He said he was trying to say that commonality of ideas, 
that when he was dealing at that time trying to write program you know, for the mainframe computer, those big things that were, were in a particular place, University of Baden, you call it maybe a particular computer laboratory, and that he was struggling. Why is this so difficult and all of that? And that later on, when finally Microsoft Bill Gates came out, he realized that the same challenges Bill Gates was having, all right, also in their campus, he also was having that same challenge and the same kind of thoughts there. He just realized that, you know, it was the same issues that he also was going and wrestling with. But I'm sure Bill Gates decided, I'm going to be a host of this particular thing. I'm going to welcome and leave with this thing on the inside. So you choose to be a host. Uh, you choose uh, that I am going to allow this particular idea, this particular dream and vision to abide on the inside of me. I'm going to daily attend to this particular dream and this vision here. It's going to change my lifestyle, but I will embrace it. It's going to affect the way I spend my time but I've decided I'm going to be a host for this particular thing. So the period between a person hosts an idea or thought and when at the side, so nobody knows apart from you. And so you are doing one talk about this, what is called incubation, incubating upon that thing. And if you incubate upon it for a period of time, then uh, the symptoms or the signs now will begin to become apparent on the outside and people will begin to realize that something is actually going on here. Now the truth about it, now I'm going to say some things that might, you know, shake, I mean it's pure Bible, but it will shake people a bit in terms of their concept, all right, of Christianity and they realize that this is how results really come. But if a person decides to be a host of any thought or idea, and they incubate upon it for a period of time, that idea and that thought must manifest in the natural. It has to. Once you're a host and you understand it, of any thought or idea, and you place it on the inside and you do what is called, you incubate upon it, it must manifest on the outside. The signs, the symptoms, all right, the presence of that thing, now, while it's within you, you are the host. You are not trying to convince any person, which means that those things can be transferred after they are incubated upon in one individual and it has matured, then it breaks on the outside. Then people now start transferring the thing to other people. So you can only transfer the vision and people will only buy into that particular vision after you have incubated upon it. Because then it breaks on the inside of you into certain quantities with a level of clarity there that is now transferable to other human beings and they can now run with that particular vision. And then people can now get impacted by it. But there is a time where that thing must dwell solely on the inside of you and then you attend and you are a host to that thing Paul told Timothy about this principle in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15. He said, meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them. Be a host of these things. Give yourself wholly to them. He said, what will happen? That thy profiting may appear unto all. 
So that speaks about incubating upon it until it begins to appear unto all. So the time there where you call the incubation period is when the substance must undergo, or the idea or the thought, must undergo development within the host before it can successfully spread on the outside. Without this period of incubation, a premature exposure of the thought, the vision, the dream, or the idea will lead to the death of that particular thing because it hasn't matured to the point where it can stand the harshness of the environment. So many people prematurely expose their dreams, their vision, without it growing to the place where it can now withstand, all right, the harshness of the environment, the discouraging words that people might speak, doubt in other people. And so it's important that during this period, you are the only one who is holding this dream on the inner side of yourself. You have decided to be a host. I remember many years ago, Reverend Miko said something. Now I understand it clearly. He said, we need to congratulate. Back then he said, Dr. Roberts, this was in the 80s, for even choosing to, to, to receive the idea of building the University of Roberts University. That it was so staggering, all right, without the finances to do it, that you allowed it into yourself to live on the inside of you. Uh, now, because of the challenges of that dream or that thought or idea, many people say, look, I'm not going to be a host to this. And then God has to look for somebody else that is going to agree and accept to host something that is considered impossible. And then they understand that what is required is incubation. Don't get up. Don't try to implement it hastily. You just incubate upon it and then it will grow and develop, and then by itself, it will begin to appear on the outside. Behavioral changes will occur. It will draw the people that you needed to make it happen, and then it will take a life of its own, and things begin to happen. So it is this incubation. This is the most, all right, this is the, uh, the place where the idea and the vision has to be shielded and pro protected from external aggression there. So to incubate is to maintain a favorable temperature. It's the same thing the hen does, right? Lays the eggs, and then the hen comes and sits on the eggs periodically every day. Now, what's the purpose of that? To get, make sure the eggs are at a certain temperature and they never drop beneath that temperature because if that happens then the chicks on the inside die so they've got to keep it at a certain temperature in order for the growth to occur right and the development to occur so what happens is the hen even though it goes out and it's playing and all of that its consciousness is tied consistently to the uh, to the eggs and so periodically, there's behavioral change. The hen will disappear from its regular activities just to go and sit upon the eggs there in order to keep the eggs warm. And when a person is in this period here of incubation, it means that there are behavioral changes we see. Uh, the person no longer all right, shows up in certain places. 
Maybe, you know, because they need their time, right? And this is what we say is, walk while it's, it's day. The night cometh where what people are doing at night, it's incubating on the new day that is about to come. So people go out, you are no longer available in certain places because there is a work that you are doing which is called incubation because you have decided to be a host to a thought, an idea that is going to influence and affect the lives of people shortly and may make their lives much better. So you sacrifice, all right, your time. You sacrifice certain things for there to be this incubation because the temperature there, right, must be kept at a certain level. Jesus spoke about this in Luke chapter 12, from verse 34 to verse 36. He spoke about this. He says, for where your treasure is. Now, don't forget that word treasure. It's going to be very valuable in this message. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Where the eggs are, that's where the heart of the, of the hen is, periodically. All right? The hen will always go back. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Then it goes in verse 35. Let your loins be guarded about and your lights burning, which means keep it burning, all right? You have, your lights have to be burning there, okay? Then it goes on, it says, and you yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord, that he will return from the wedding. And when he cometh and knocketh, you might immediately open up the door unto him. So you kept it alive, you kept it burning, and then it hatches at a particular point. And that's when, as it were, the Lord knocks on the door, and then the signs begin to happen, or I show within your life. Doors are opening up. Unusual things are beginning to happen, all right, because you have been incubating upon that particular thing. You are giving yourself wholly to it, meditating upon it, going over it, keeping the fire burning there, and keeping the vision alive by periodically, on a daily basis there, exercising yourself in connecting with it and doing that until things now begin to appear on the outside. So many fail because we step out prematurely. Now when we say you step out prematurely, uh, this doesn't imply that you stepped out before a certain date on the calendar, which means you stepped out before the set date was June the 5th, and you stepped out in February or right, February the 7th. That's not what we're talking about. What we are saying is, right, you stepped out of timing. Not the time, which is the date, the fixed time, but the timing. What do we mean by that? The process of incubation, all right, for the birth of the vision was not yet complete, it might not even have been practiced at all, and then you went out. So it's not about if you are incubating and it reaches to its fullness on July the 6th, then July the 6th is the right time to move out. If it reaches the fullness on February the 20th, February 20th is the right time. If it's not done until November and then it matures November 23rd, that is the right time. So we are not talking about physical time. We are talking about timing, understanding that, all right, there's what is called the fullness of time. Or what Jesus said when it's in somebody's heart in abundant measure. So it's about timing, right? Allowing it to grow and to mature on the inside. And then when the signs begin to appear... 
on the outside, then the individual now begins to move. When Jesus knocks on the door, then and the person opens up. When something happens, when it hatches into the natural realm, then something, all right, the person now responds. So what are the laws or the practice of incubation? We've said incubating there is to decide to be a host. Now, there are many powerful ideas that are, are, are moving around. You decide that you want to host these ideas here. It's just like a woman gets pregnant. It's uncomfortable for nine months there. So it's, it's uncomfortable there, but you decide, all right, to allow your own life to be disrupted in order to give birth to this particular thing right there. So the laws of incubation. Now, what you've got to understand, and this is where we start shaking all right, people's hearts. What you have got to understand in life, this is the principle that you must get. All things proceed out of the consciousness of the individual and are not directly from heaven or from hell. In other words, the experiences in the lives of people comes out of the consciousness of the hearts of the people. What is deep on the inside there, that's where it comes out of. It doesn't come out so a person can be praying for something. But what you are praying about must get into your consciousness, for if it's going to enter into your life, it's what is in the consciousness of people that gains entrance into their lives. If you don't allow it into your consciousness there, it's not going to get into your life. And this is why we have a lot, sometimes people have prayer failure. Because you are praying for certain things, right? But what is within your consciousness, deep on the inside, is a complete variance with that. And you think God, all right, in answer to your prayer, will just act on the outside to do something when inside your consciousness is completely different. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 24, it starts out by telling us what these four things are. It says, there be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are not just wise, uh, that they are exceeding wise. Uh, the first one, it says, the ants are a people not strong, 
but what they do, and so they live, uh, all right, free of lack. They always have at every point in time. It's because they prepare their meat in uh, the summer. In other words, they are thinking about the winter while they have the abundance and the opportunities of the summer. Uh, the next one tells us, Cornish, but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. So the Cornish don't never lose any battle against the predator because they leverage on the strength of the rock and not on their own internal strength. So what they demonstrate in their own lives is the strength of the rock. Now in verse 27, it tells us about locusts. It says they have no king, and this is what we're going to speak on detail today. Yet they all go forth, or they go forth, all of them, by bands. So it tells us about locusts. They have no king, yet they all go by bands. They understand the power that is contained in approaching things, all right, in agreement as a united force. And that you can't lose if you go about things this way. And then in the last one, it tells us about the spider. Taketh hold with her hands, understands the place of skill, and is in king's palaces. Uh, so the people that are invited into the king's or king's palaces are those that know how to take hold of things with their hands. Uh, they are skillful at what they do. This is what grants you access and entrance, all right, into places of authority where you have the opportunity now to develop relationships with kings and very influential people. But it starts out with you being skillful or being the most skillful at what you do, at least within your area and in your territory. So we started out speaking about ants, and we said that ants understand the cycles of time. They understand it. Uh, they do understand that what God said is ingrained within them, and it's part and parcel of their behavioral pattern. That as long as this earth remaineth, time will be in two cycles. You are going to have seed time and harvest. You are going to have cold and heat in Genesis 8.22. You are going to have summer and winter, and you are also going to have the day and night. And so they think about the winter while they have the opportunity of the summer. So they understand during the daytime, they maximize the opportunities that are presented to them. And they understand that the winter is going to come where things might not be on the outside. All right, you might have as many opportunities on the outside as you once had in the previous season. But if you have handled or if you handle those opportunities, they know that properly and make the best use of them. Uh, what happens is in the night time, when everything generally shuts down, you can actually on another level create prosperity, create wealth for yourself by the things that you have done during the daytime when there was all the opportunity and all of that. 
So we had that with Joseph, that Joseph, when there was seven years of famine, he understood the cycle, that there will be seven years of, of abundance, then seven years of famine, and if the famine ended on the seventh year, then they went to another seven years of abundance. That's what he meant. All right? So he understood that. And so what they did was, during the time of abundance, they were thinking about the time of famine. They were focused and preparing for the next season. And what they were doing there was literally, in their own case, laying aside something in store. So when it got into the night time, when people felt things were going wrong, they were exchanging. In exchange for mere grain, they were taking landed property, lands, houses, real estate, and they got themselves into the real estate business because during the night, because they handled the daytime right. So it's important. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will show us things that are to come. The Bible says, ask of me and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. Now, let me say something. I understood this in, in Wavek here. You pray in the spirit so that you'll be able to pray effectively in your understanding. Now, it's when you pray in the understanding right that you get the answer. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So, Paul prayed in the understanding so he could receive it. And the understanding that he prayed was, God, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Let the eyes of our understanding. But how did he arrive at that prayer? By praying in the spirit long enough to know what was on the mind of the Holy Ghost. Then he prayed it out in the understanding. So specific prayers in the understanding are really powerful when you know what you are asking for. And it's important that God says the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. I will show you things that are to come. He said, ask of me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Now, I said all of that to say this. You cannot act, all right, wisely today if you don't know what is coming tomorrow. Do you understand what I'm saying? The person who understands and can see the future or who has the farthest sight there is the one that will make the wisest decisions today. So you can ask God to show you things, all right, about the future, with the things that you have now, with the opportunities that you have now, with what is going on in your life now. Ask him because he will, all right, do it. Says you have not because you ask not. Ask him to reveal things to you about the years that are ahead, to show you 15 years ahead the direction, the tone, all right, of events so that you can be wise. Because the scripture tells us as children of light, we must not be taken unawares. In other words, you must have a foreknowledge of what is coming so you can stand on the scripture and ask God for specifics concerning the future. And please, I am not saying that you hear a voice and then you start running with the voice. All right, he will reveal it to you from the word of God. He will show you things. All right, I'm not saying you start getting spooky and start saying, well, I had a voice, you know, and all of that, you know, and then I dreamt and I saw grasshoppers hopping. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, all right, you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying here, because people send dreams to you and say, please, can you tell me the interpretation of a dream? In the New Testament, if you can't interpret your dream, that is your problem. You interpret your dream. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. We, the pastor is not an interpreter of dream. He will only cause confusion. So what I'm trying to say 
What I'm trying to say, because people get into all these things and, and you know, and, and they use messages like this as liberty to go get spooky, all right? So we are saying you ask him and then he will reveal it to you in concrete ways and you will see patterns in your environment that even indicate that things are going to happen that way so that you can make best use of the time that you have at this particular moment now, the opportunities, or rather, that you have in time. Now, second thing I want to say, and I never said this during the series concerning this, also, it is never too early to start preparing for something. Now, understand this. And understand, it is never too early to start preparing for something. If you can prepare for something today, all right, that is going to happen in 10 years, start preparing now. It is never too early to start preparing. Now, you think about this. If somebody wants you to come and speak at a conference, all right, in 2022, and they send you the invitation now, and they tell you that you're going to speak on the 13th of April, and you're going to speak from 10.15 a.m., all right, and you're going to speak till, all right, 11.10 a.m., and then you are going to have seven minutes of this, and they're very clear about something that is going to happen in two years' time, you'll respect those people. You'll say you are really organized. It will create an impression upon you, all right, because they, you can see that these people are people that are preparing. All right, first time I went to invite, or second time I invited Bishop Edgar for a meeting, and I went to meet him, and I told him. He almost said, when, when is the meeting? All right, because normally campus fellowship is just when you only does go and start asking. And I said it's seven months time. He said, and you are already coming now. All right, it shows that you are thinking about things. So if you can start, all right, and prepare for something today, anything you can start preparing for, start preparing for it. All right, I started praying about Wavbeck 2021. All right, the day after we ended this one, and I started asking God things there. Who was supposed to speak? I was talking to a pastor yesterday. He said, you are giving me, what did he call it now? He said, um, what, what do they call this thing now? He said, back room, or what do you call it? Um, um, what do you call this thing? All right. It's like, it's like behind the scenes information. And I said, what I discovered, all right, from the last word, just observing it, is anointings work best in pairs. And I said, so we had two morning sessions, two afternoon sessions, two evening sessions, and that if you pair the minister right, that you will increase the impact of that particular session. And I said, I understood why Jesus sent them out in twos. He wasn't just guessing. He took people that he could pair them together to maximize the impact of their ministry. So I started telling him, I said, listen, if, we, if I pair this person with this other person here in a morning session, and I pair this person with this other person here, just think about this. If I pair, all right, Keon Anderson with Pastor Tony Rappi, you see the effect it will have. Are you following what I'm saying So you peered, so I was looking at it, who are the people you are going to peer together in sessions, and then you start praying about it and asking God, all right, concerning those things, and it begins to show you. So you don't have fire brigade approach to things, all right? And you don't start rushing and running, all right, and doing things. So what happens is, if you start early, you will take baby steps, and you will never do anything difficult, but you will get massive things done. I said, you all, you'll be taking a baby steps. You will never do anything difficult, but you will do massive things. Now, and it won't appear that you are doing anything that is hard, but the impact and the, and the, and the impact of the work and the size of what you are doing, because you are doing it, all right, little by little, every single day. 
every single day, right? I mean, your, your get-up is just like saying that, I mean, they'll tell you back then in school that if after a lecture, immediately after you finish, you go back and spend one hour that day looking over the notes, reading and reading the stuff, your brain is most likely to retain that particular thing you learned than when it's two weeks to the exam. You now want to remember what they taught you three months ago. All right? Now, the person who is doing that is taking baby steps. So when it's time for the exam, it's relaxed and doesn't look like they have worked very hard. But you, that you have fire brigade approach, you now confuse yourself because you will think you are the hardest worker in the room. But what it shows is that you are not prepared. Are you, you know what I'm saying here? Because you haven't done things. So if you start early, taking baby steps, you may never have to do anything difficult to get massive things done. But if you start late, then you will have an uphill task. All right? And then you get tired, running uphill, doing things. Right? And then you think you are the hardest worker again in the room. You think you are the one who is doing everything, all right? But the input, all right, the output is going to be very low. But you've done so much, and you feel that. So you're two weeks to the exam, you buy coffee, uh, you buy cola, you, you buy Tom Tom. And then you are there, and then it looks like, oh, pouring water on your head, putting your leg. It looks like, oh, it's written, oh, and it failed. And after what it but, but you were playing, no? are you from saying, yeah? Somebody else, 30 minutes every day, they read it. After the lecture, they had a break, 15 minutes, they looked over the notes. They jotted out what they got from it. They were most likely to retain that particular thing, all right, and remember it than somebody who, right, is rushing and doing things. So you have where you are traveling to. You know that you are traveling three months ahead of time, all right. Then it's two hours to the trip. That's where you start packing. Then you are running around the whole place, like, you know, uh, throwing things. Oh, I have to, uh, uh, you know, I have to, and uh, then you get on traffic. Then you start complaining government that is hold up. But you are the one. Are you following what I'm saying here? All right? Who had this emergency approach to life? Okay? I mean, evangelical to emphasize divine health over and against, all right, just believing God for healing them, right? Say that the first reason why people, all right, have breakdown in their body is stress that is caused by making haste to do things which means you are doing things out of that. that. That is what brings the body under stress. So what happens is you are supposed to, and we have this idea about faith, that the person who is preparing is not in faith, but the person who is leaving things until the last moment and then calling a fast is the one that is in faith. You know you have bills to pay. You are not setting aside money to pay the bills today. Then it is two weeks to the time. Then you would bring out the notes. Five steps to answer prayer. Are you following what I'm saying here? So Anson operates that way. So they are stress-free. And so you can do massive things, all right, and be stress-free. All right, I learned this from Pastor at the minister's conference. He said, a teacher told him in school, whatever you can do today about something, if you can do something about it today, do it today. If you can start preparing today, start. If you can start preparing today, then today is telling you to do something about it. Are you from saying it? All right? So he says, and I learned that from him. You finish a convention, he begins to pray and writes the messages for the convention, the next one, a week after. So that he can go for other meetings. And when it's time there, God just adds a few other things to what he has already given him. All right? And that's preparation. And I understand that. 
right? So don't waste the day, okay? The opportunities of the daytime, we said it. And then also don't collapse at night. It's only a season. Uh, there's a song that we used to listen to back then, all right? But now we just understand the lyrics. Now, if you know the song, then you are on my side. If you don't know the song, then there's no problem with the song. But if you know it, then you're on my side. And if, if I don't say it well, then you listen to it more than me. So heads I win, tail you lose. All right. Okay, but it's a clean song. All right. And it's, the song is called The Rise and Fall. Now, that, now, that means you go to YouTube now, start to say Rise and Fall. All right. But it talks about, okay, what causes the rise and fall of a person. And it says, sometimes in life you think the fight is over. Superstar, you finally made it. Now, it says this, once you've, you feel you come to a point where you've won one battle, now you think, all right, you've made it. You are now the superstar, all right? It says, once your vision becomes tainted, it's called the rise and fall. In other words, what causes the fall is that you overcome something and then you are now a superstar to yourself and there's no longer clarity of vision there, all right? And that is when the decline begins to come within your life there. Now, Keep your words tight during the night season, we said. Don't be careless with your words. The night may be characterized with rejection or by rejection, but no one gets promoted in life without experiencing some level of rejection. Before there will be any great elevation, there must be some rejection in your life. Doors will be closed in order for, all right, massive things to be opened up unto you. But the point in the rejection is hold on to your identity, don't lose and define yourself by the rejection that you are experiencing. Separate yourself from what's happening around you by retaining your identity and having a clear vision of the future even when you are going through the night season. Isaiah 49 from verse 3 to verse 7 speaks to this in a very powerful way. Isaiah 49, all right, it says, And he said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel. In whom I will be glorified. But what was the response of the prophet? Then I said, I have labored in vain. So he was going through something. And he had labored and he felt everything had fallen apart. All right. People had departed from him and all of that. He said, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with my, the Lord. And my reward or my work is with my God. And then he says, and now say the Lord that formed thee from the womb to be his servant, and to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, so at this point he was telling him, though Israel is not yet gathered unto you, yet, he said, shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord. So even though things are not responding, understand that, before the eyes of the Lord, you are still precious, and God counts you. So define yourself as the way in which God sees you, and not the way the environment is responding to you. He says, and my God shall be my strength. And then he goes on and says, it is a lie thing. Once you pass that test and you are not deriving your identity by the rejection of people, but you understand that I am glorious in the eyes of God, even though this door was shut on me. I am glorious in the eyes of God, even though the people of God did not even receive me. I am glorious in the eyes of God. He says, it's a life in you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the pre uh, preserved of Israel. I will give thee for a light unto the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So he says, you are going to be all of this. 
So said the Lord, the Redeemer, the Holy One, all right, to whom man despiseth, to whom the nations are for it. He says, to the servants of rulers, kings will see thee and arise. Princes also will worship, because the Lord is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, he shall choose thee. But even though there is rejection, he says there is, don't define yourself, don't derive your identity, you have to pass that test. So that when it switches to the point where everybody is gathering, you don't define yourself by that too. All right? You define yourself the way in which God himself sees you, right? And you maintain that identity, whether it's the nighttime or whether it's the daytime. So you have that in your heart, all right, concerning that. So we went to the Cornies, right? I mean, you can get, you can get the series. Now, Cornies, they, they stay on rocks. All right, put that, put that up, uh, the next verse, there, 26. And they stay on rocks there. Their houses are built. That's Proverbs, all right, 26. And corners by feeble folk, yet they make their houses on the rock there. And, and uh, the point of this is, and we understand this, then you don't lose any battle, right, that you face in life. Because what is this all about? It's the way to pray in order to have and experience divine protection and to win in life's battles. Psalm 61 from verse 1 to verse 3. It says this. It says, hear my cry. Now understand the way David, all right, understood how to operate with the rock. He said, hear my cry and attend unto my prayer. All right, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And then the next verse, and thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. So when the enemy is around, he says, lead me to a rock. So Conies, once they see danger in the atmosphere and they pick it up, they run into the rock and stay within the rock until the danger, all right, is eliminated there. So it says, lead me, put verse 2, it says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So when God leads you to that rock, what does it mean? In Psalm 89, verse 26 and 27, look at this scripture well. It says, he shall cry unto me, thou art my father and my God and the rock of my salvation. Now, verse 27, and I will also make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. Which means when you are led to a rock that is higher, then you are positioned higher than all the kings of the earth. In other words, all the kings, all the principalities and powers, you are now higher than them, operationally speaking, and they cannot defeat you. So once you are led to a, the rock that is higher than you, in that particular situation, you are also higher than all the kings that are operating upon the earth. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse, uh, from verse 16, of um, 16, Peter answered, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And then in 17, he said, blessed art thou, Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, my father which is in heaven. And then in 18, he said unto him, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the rock there of what the father revealed, Will I build my church and the gates of hell, it says, shall not prevail. 
So you can't lose a battle in life when you are standing on the rock concerning that thing. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. So you might be doing good work, but because you don't understand team dynamics, you come to work with an attitude, with a mood. You come in, open your laptop that morning, you know, grouchy. Everybody now is walking on eggshells around you, all right? Because something happened to you in the house, everybody must suffer in the office for it. Are you following what I'm saying here? And then they greet you. Mm. Morning, sir. Mm. Yesterday, you are all cheerful and all of that. Now, mm, all right? It's time to eat lunch in the cafeteria. You sit by yourself. Put on the earphone, mm, laptop. And everybody is like talking and laughing and you are just like this. And then finally, when they break through with you, you say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. If you knew what I was going through, chief, there are people there who are laughing and doing teamwork who are going through more than what you are going through. It's just they don't have that selfishness and they are not self-centered. So the problem is selfishness now. That's why you look at a player that is skillful and say, at first they're saying he's very skillful. Now, when you are going to describe him in team, you say he's a very selfish person. Don't be selfish or don't buy him. He's selfish. Skillful, he's selfish. Very selfish. All right? And that begins to happen there. So people don't understand that. And then you, people start creating, and after some time, people that were supporting you now start thinking of, how do we get this person out of this system here? How do we move this person out? And then they call you to have a conversation concerning, and you still are not aware because you are blinded by your own gift and skill. I know by the time they call you to have that tough conversation, they have already considered you out of the organization. They are just doing it out of, and they're trying to combat, and you still have that at you. Let me tell you something, all right? I mean, you know, let me, let me tell you, you don't, you don't take your own personal issues and throw it on people. All right? I mean, I remember once, you have to understand, all right, and grow out of yourself into a team. That's why there was one time, I mean, it was a great um, striker, one of the greatest strikers in Nigeria, I won't call his name, all right, but he used to play for Nigeria, great striker, and he was scoring many goals. But then when he now won the golden boots, and he was given $10,000, the other players jokingly just asked him, guy, you won't give us something from your 10000 And I always tell them in the office, when they are eating something nice, and they don't give me, I'll tell them. Whoever eats good thing by themselves, when trouble comes, you will face trouble by yourself. All right? So when things are going good, share. So that when things are trouble, we will join you to fight. All right? Okay? So they asked, and the guy was, it was like, you know, I, I scored the goals. You didn't score the goals. I scored the goals. So I deserve the 10,000. You scored the goals. 
That was the last day they passed the ball to me. Say you scored the goal. Then go to the goalkeeper, collect the ball, and go to that place and score. You will know the work we did. The only goal he scored in World was by mistake. They were passing to somebody else, and he crossed the ball and scored. All right? That's where you now are exalting yourself above group dynamics there. Okay? And people begin to have that. I remember uh, French prayer back then, because I used to support the French national team. I still do, right? And, and you know, once Nigeria is not playing, then it's the French team I will support. Okay? And, you know, we, we suffered. Oh, oh, God. We suffered. We had skillful players. Michel Platini. He told us back then, 1986, I promise you the World Cup, or oh, I will commit suicide if I, we don't win. He, we didn't win. He didn't commit suicide. He continued. <laughs> it's like, we were heartbroken and hurt. All right, but I remember, and that's why I had to forgive the German national team because in 1986 semi-finals, we were going to score and win. All right, before penalty shootout, and I, who was it? Was it Schumacher? And so he jumped and hit Tigana, the black player for broke his two teeth there. It was supposed to be a penalty. The ref didn't see it. Well, France lost the match. Pain again, one after the other, until the coach came. Ami Jaki. And Ami Jaki came in and said, listen, 1988, we have a goal to win the, the World Cup in France. The final in Paris. First thing he did was the biggest and most talented player in the French national team. One of the most talented players in the history of France, Eric Cantona. He said, you have become a divisive figure. You are not bigger than the team. He removed him. Eric Cantona was so confident that Eric Cantona held a press conference and said, France just dropped the World Cup when they dropped me. They will not win the World Cup. Ami Jaki said, I will walk on the streets of Paris and they will spit on me. Bring back Cantona. He said, I know life. Cantona is not playing. If Cantona is there, we will not win. 18 months after, and there is a law of substitution in life. Let me tell you this. You are never bigger than the whole. Let, you understand what I'm saying? Learn this thing well. Life, there are three words you must learn. Without you, it goes on. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? It goes on. You think world revolves around it? It doesn't. And if nobody told you, and I want somebody was behaving somehow to me many years ago in this church, many, many years ago, I told him, I said, Listen, your problem is you are the only boy in your family. It's, it, 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 that's why they treat you as, when you shake, everything shakes. That's your problem. Here, you are not the only boy. If you shake, we too will shake with you. <laughs> That's what has, you know, you can grow up with a particular consciousness. All right? And, 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 and tell people, I said, look, they say diplomats, are most best diplomats are, are born in the middle of the family. They are not firstborn, they are not lastborn. All right? And I understand because I'm third born. All right? And, but it's a very strategic position. The reason is that the firstborn is a woman, lady. So that one is taking firstborn. The Second born is a first born. That portion has gone. The last born is a lady. That has gone. So I'm in the middle. Now, so what happens is you have no authority. You are not the first born or the first born. Neither can you manipulate because you are not the last born. So if you cry, they will say you are too old to cry. If you speak authoritatively, they say, who gave you power? So why are you? So the only way you can survive in that means is to sell your vision to everybody. Build a consensus, and then we move together. All right? Are you from saying that? So you learn how to build a consensus. 
which means your leadership is by consent, all right? You can't, you can't speak authoritatively, all right? Who gave you power, okay? So all you do is you explain yourself, you sell it to this person, you sell it to this person, you are the confidant of that person, you support this person in time of need, you support, are you fighting, yeah? Are you for that? And you, there's a limit to which you fight. I mean, my mother used to say, he said, one day I heard her telling my father, he said, you know, I like what you, I like him. He doesn't fight beyond the point. If he's angry, you know the limits. Once it's time for food, fight as far as it's concerned, <laughs> stop. And when he comes downstairs, give him the drumstick, you are okay. So when it's time for food, because me, you can be doing false, but me, when you are settling, they will settle behind the back. I show up and talk. Yes, you don't agree with me, but that doesn't mean we should be enemies. No cold war. We eat, all right, and discuss what we are doing around the round table there. So it's important, all right, that you understand this and, and, and understand building, all right, consensus there, uh, among people there. So let me finish that thought here. So it's important. Life is a team sport. You win as a team or you will lose by default. So everything you have to have uh, comes to a point where you can no longer just by yourself make things happen. You get a group, all right, behind. Now, please get this. The words we said during the night season, plant is a seed time where you plant powerful words into the earth about the next season. Now, words planted at night will grow up, all right, and when they come out, the effect of your words on the earth they will come out as people coming into your life in the morning to help you achieve your dreams. All right? You take an orange seed, the Bible says you plant it, what comes out doesn't look like the orange seed. Right? That's what the scripture says. So you plant words. What comes out when the earth begins to bring about the increase, people begin to show up. Right? And it's important. And people don't understand this. That if you throw stone those people, you treat them wrongly and all of that, then what happens is people start wondering where, all right, are those things. So what's planted at night will grow up into people coming into your life in the morning to help you achieve your dream. That's why the Bible says in a time of harvest, pray the Lord of harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. And so you've got to belong, all right, to some group. And people, that's why in society, people will say they had secret societies that govern the people, all right? All these lodges, all these things people do is to come into a group of people that have a purpose. So they say, our purpose here, I mean, I had, I won't call his name, but I had this elderly friend, all right? He used to work, let me, I won't call it, but he used to be a landlord back then, all right? When we just started church. And he will call me, because there were several things he did in this country, Okay? Several things. I mean, the whole of Antonio said he sold it. It was his land. Se several things. So, one day he told me, he said, he said, he said, if you are ever in trouble in this country and you need to get out, he said, there are six individuals. When you get there, use this code name. He said, we're a group. All right? And he recalled these people. He was talking about Sultan of, the old Sultan of Sokoto, the Emiab. He said, they're my friends. All right? This is the code word that you should use. He said, I'm telling you, all right, you can go and see them. But he told me one time, something happened in this country, and it's a major thing that happened. He said it was five of us that agreed that we want to make money. He said we had no business, whether the government was good or bad, our own was what? Money. And there are people like that. And they will steer things. 
And other people who are just walking casually, all right, don't know that there are people meeting somewhere, deciding and releasing that conscious power to make those things happen. All right? So it's important. That's why we are building cells in this church here, okay, and community groups which registration starts tomorrow. Uh, people need to belong to some group of some sort, all right, to be able to fulfill destiny. Don't forget that the cancerous cell is the cell that has declared independence on the body. And when people, all right, say that, then, then it becomes cancerous there. Finally, skill. The Bible tells us about the spider that is skillful. And it says this about skill, all right, skill, the definition of skill is the expertise or talent needed in order to get a job or task done within a time period. All right, now, there's time frame there. So, as the expertise that is needed. And there are two types of skills, all right, and if you're going to have audience with the king, skill, developing your skill. So, you have to ask yourself, what, all right, skill here? What's the expertise, what's the talent I'm bringing into this world that will bring about a distinction in me, which means I can get certain things done, all right, efficiently within a particular period of time. Only few people on the earth will be able to do this. And that's what you should start developing. Because once you start becoming more skillful, we've said this, that there's teamwork, but as an individual, it begins to open up doors for you and you have access, all right, to kings. So many people want to meet with kings, but the kings themselves are searching for people that have skill at a certain level. Now, there are two types of skill, all right? There's job skill, which allows you to do a particular job, and then life skill, which allows you to deal with situations. And some of the things we talked about ants were life skills. Uh, but to succeed at anything you are doing, and that's why people fail, they simply don't have the skill, all right, to get it done. They might be praying and praying, but they are not praying right, to ask God to impart the wisdom or the skill to get that particular thing done. And, and to rise up on the inside and, and say you are going to, all right, uh, acquire that skill to make it happen. Uh, and if the church as a body now, as a church, understands that many of the things we are praying about, God, the way he will answer it is to impart wisdom, which is the skill and the understanding. And then we now, with that wisdom, carry out the activities that the Holy Spirit has developed on the inside or taught us will go much further in life. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 22, it talks about God gave them skill and it says informed when he was praying and the angel came, he said, I'm now come to give thee what? Skill and understanding. So the angel gave skill and understanding. Uh, so you've got to decide. Uh, children are raised in homes back then, right? When, when, when people still understood uh, capital and it was real wealth. Uh, children are raised, and one of the responsibilities of parents is that a child must be equipped with skill. Not just, not just that they have an education, but they are a particular skill so that when they leave the house, they are relevant in the marketplace, they can trade, all right, with that particular skill there. Uh, they, can, they know they can do certain things, and you know that they will survive because they have skill. All right, people don't employ, or people cannot be unemployed if they have relevant skills. Or you can be educated and not be employed. Do you get what I'm saying here? 
all right, your education should lead to the development of skill in a certain area, not just you have certificates there. Because his skill people are looking for, not just the fact that you are saved. And that's one of the things uh, that is uh, creating confusion is the skill. And so people want to look at it and say, we are looking for skill. So somebody says, well, I had the first class in this, and somebody had the third class, but they've acquired skill. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? And so that person has. So it's going with that particular uh, level of skill there in it. Uh, nobody will ask somebody, nobody will ask somebody, who can code at a particular level, what did you graduate with? Nobody's going to ask that. Nobody's going to ask what, is that? what does that have to do with it? This dude is writing programs. Writing, what you, you know, when you say somebody built an app, do you ask them, hey, so what did you graduate with? Nobody asks that now. All right? Nobody's going to ask them that because they have skill at that particular level. So skill there is a universal language there. And skill must be relevant. Now, it must be relevant. There is no entitlement in life. Understand this. You are not entitled to a job. Do you understand what I'm saying here? You are not going to say, I graduated, there's no job for me. You are not entitled to a job. You are not. They didn't tell you. I said you are not. You are looking at me. Uh, so they must provide a job for me, right? It's skill, okay? Because the employer of labor must pay salaries. If it's paying salaries, it's paying it out of the profit. If what you are doing is not bringing about the profit, you do not, you, you are not qualified to take out of the share of that particular thing. You must be contributing something to the public. There's nothing like, so, and if you have, so, someone says, yeah, I, I mean, for example, you are trained to repair Bojo 504s, it's over. It's over. No, it's over. Or well, maybe around three people in Nigeria left. So you go and look for that. Well, it's over. So you have to train yourself to get scared. And say, listen to me, but that's what I trained for. You change. What do you mean I can't? You change. All right? I mean, too much entitlement. I mean, I read something. I mean, it's coming out, I think, in February, about, about someone who was in prison and jailed for 70 years wrongly. 70 years. He was in prison. He led law. He tested his knowledge by getting people out of jail. First of all, by being their lawyer, as being in jail. Then he now got himself out by representing himself. Then after he got out, he now sued the people who were responsible for taking him in. And all of them got jailed. The last police officer who tampered with evidence committed suicide before he entered jail. He reversed it. Oh boy, where are you that you cannot improve skill? You say, after I spent three years in university, uh, four years, how can I change? I know, you must employ me. You don't understand the world. <laughs> All right? You don't understand the world. All right? The world there is open for people that have what? Marketable skill. It's closed for people without skill. Are you? All right? Except you want to leverage your uncle and auntie. And then they are enabling you and destroying your life. Because anybody who, um, except they are giving you the opportunity to improve your skill or to develop skill, which is some form of apprenticeship which you must take. Do you understand what I'm saying? I heard somebody came to ask for rent in a department of 400,000. They took you to a job to do. And they were going to hand over something with contracts to outsiders so you can now start doing the job you said is beneath you. If the job is beneath you, isn't the human beings doing it? Then the house you want to stay in is above you. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying here? 
There's nothing like saying, all right, if people, if, and, and look, skill doesn't understand, it doesn't know your sex, whether you're male or female, whether you have religion, color, it doesn't. Skill is skill. And you can be born again speaking in tongues. If you don't have the skill, they won't take you. You can be a member of the same church inside the same department. And they're looking at you and say, we are sorry. I do not encourage any employer of labor here to employ anybody inside this church who, number one, is unskilled and then has decided not to use the opportunity to develop skill but to reaffirm that we are together in covenant nation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say, remember, we enjoy together. Are you following what I'm saying? We do not entertain lazy people. We don't too. All right? That's people that come. That's what the Bible says. He that will not, you don't like it, but that's what the scripture, I'm quoting scripture. He that will not walk. Not that there's no, if there's no work, there's no problem. But they gave you work. You will not do it. It says that man, we must not make him eat. That's what the Bible says. All right? And Christians are used to it, particularly in this part of the world. When you join African mentality with the way we have defined Christianity, then laziness becomes a thing. Because it's my uncle, it's my cousin, it's we're in the same church. That means you have a right to whatever is going on in the person's life. And then you come in, you can even come in late. Say where are you coming from? Prayer meeting. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's like it's authority to do whatever I want to do. And you know, when people do that, all right, and let me tell you this, it's more difficult to fire than to hire. So it's easier to say no to take somebody in than after you have taken him to say you should be going. Because to say no has nothing. But when you say you should be going, then they start pronouncing words again on top of what you're doing. All right? And Africans, we like to talk. Cause is very close. Somebody says you have now become MD in a place. Then the relatives show up. You don't give them opportunity. They'll say the same way. You, they'll do this. You will leave this place in disgrace. Just leave it. You will leave it in disgrace. In 1953, when your uncle, something, and they'll be making pronouncements. All right? Okay? So it's very important. I'll close with this here. All right? So you know when you're making those decisions, be reading the blood confession too at the same time. Very important. Because words are being released too. All right? Skill gives access. We've said this here. Okay? As skillful, it gives access. I mean, I believe in, there's nothing I do. If I want to get something done, I scan through people that I know in the past. I scan through my classmates. I scan through, all right? Okay? Scan through people I knew in school. Scan through, I mean, there was somebody who used to be in a fellowship, and they were in a situation, I did something, I said, keep it anonymous. So nobody, in fact, somebody just came to me, said somebody did this for this person, I left it. The person wrote to me and said, I've not seen this person in 30 years. He said, you are the last person I thought would show up. I, 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 I'm loyal to people who have been in my life. Loyal. But that does not mean if you are not qualified for an opportunity. Somebody was asking, somebody used to be in fellowship together and was telling him that, you know, I'm trying to reach Pastor Kodjo and he, to respond about something and he's just, he said, leave him. He said, you don't know him. He said, I called him severally. I'll come to Nigeria. I'll say, he said, he won't show up. He said, but one day, he came to meet me. He said, I understand him. He said, he will not say anything, but the day he sees an opportunity that fits you, he will look for you where you are and knock on the door. He said, he knocked on the door and opened up the door for me. 
Today is now playing in the national space. I won't say who he is. All right? But it came as a result of opening up a door for him. Yeah. But he is qualified. Do you get what I'm saying here? And anybody is qualified. He's an economist. He's a lawyer. He's a judge. He has three masters and a PhD. So you can't come and meet me now and you don't have all of that and you are saying, oh, I fellowship together. That was then, this is now. At least, when we're in fellowship, I gave you noodles to eat, at least. <laughs> all right, so we close. Daniel 1, all right, 3 here. You see the power of this. Daniel chapter 1, 3. And the king spoke to Ashpedaz there, all right, and he said, said a master of Enoch, and just see what skill it is that it should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Now look at it. Children in whom there was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had the ability in them to do what? Stand in the king's palace. Which means the king's palace is for people that have the ability, and he described that as people who are skillful and people who are cunning. When Solomon was going to build the temple, he said, our temple must exceed other temples of all other gods. And he went to the land of Tyre there and told them, you are the people who are skillful in this particular thing. Send your people, told the king. He didn't say whether he was a Jew or Gentile. They needed the skill to build the temple of God, and they could only get it from that particular place. And those ones came there and helped them in building that particular temple. All right, so let's embrace all right, all these qualities and attributes and, and, and have behavioral changes that will bring about greater impact into our life. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. Uh, we bless you for your word and thank you for this series. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you cause this truth to be deepened by the Holy Spirit. It will move from information to the place where the Holy Ghost will bring about revelation into our hearts. And show every single person individually and also collectively as a church the direction that we should go and the changes we ought to make within our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.